Let's grab our Bibles. Let's uh, open to Ephesians 6, page 1082, in that pew Bible there in front of you. If you didn't bring a copy of God's Word, you're welcome to take that one with you, page 1082. Welcome all of you joining us online. I know there are many of you around the country, around the world, all my wonderful friends in Brazil that watch us each week. We're grateful for the technology, for us to be able to share this time together. Ephesians 6, so next week, maybe, possibly, we'll finish Ephesians. It could happen. My original plan was it would be this week, but you know how that goes. So maybe next week, we'll see. It's just so much here, so good. So helpful. So many of you come into my heart, my mind when I'm studying this and thinking about this and the realization of the difference that a passage like this can make in our lives. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, let's read together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, here's what I want you to do, first of all. I think the big mistake that is often made with this passage is, is that two weeks ago, we would have just jumped in and started talking about all these pieces of armor, it, and that's a mistake. I'm 100% convinced that's a mistake. Because you have to be ready to have that conversation. You have to understand what are we really talking about before you ever have a conversation about these pieces of armor. I want you to notice the participles in that passage. It's very important. Notice. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all. Do you see that? Verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened. Verse 15. And... As shoes for your feet, having put on. You see that? Notice what is the Bible telling you about the armor. The way that you utilize whatever it is the Bible's talking about, even if we're not sure, what is clear is that the way this is utilized is that they're already in place, it's past tense. There are, whatever this is, it's already on. 
If you don't understand this, none of this makes any sense. Listen, think about, think about what's going on here. Paul is explaining to us that we're in a battle. Now, if I were telling you that you're in a war, and I made the statement to you, or, or maybe I was trying to convince you that you were in a war, but if I made the statement to you to stand firm, the one thing that would be clear to you is that the battle's already going. You see, if the battle wasn't already going, he wouldn't say stand firm. He would say something like prepare well. See, you stand firm when you're already in something. So important to understand. Soldiers do not put on armor in the middle of a battle. That's not how this works. So to be successful, again, let's just imagine we're not even sure what we're talking about. But here's what we can be clear of. Whatever it is to be successful at it, it's got to be on before the battle. Having. Now, what is the greatest danger in our lives? What, what is the greatest spiritual danger that we face? That you face? I wish that on the screen, all the things that were in your head right now would come up. I would love to have unlimited time for us to have this conversation. Because I imagine some of you are thinking of some really good things and some of you not so really good. What is, the, what is your greatest spiritual danger? What, isn't that important to know? I mean, don't you think that top three things... A Christian ought to know somewhere in the top three ought to be my greatest spiritual danger is. Get your listening guide out. Spiritual coasting. I don't think anybody was thinking that. And yet... How do you think all the problems, all the spiritual problems, all the spiritual failures, how do you think they entered your life? They entered your life. If you're a Christian, the only way that happened was you were unprepared. See, one of two things has to be true. Either you're a Christian and the armor failed, now nah, that didn't happen. So what must have happened? You did what most people do. You have armor. You just don't wear it. And do you know why you don't wear it? You don't wear it because you think you're at peace. You see, you, if you thought you needed it, you'd wear it. Spiritual coasting is your absolute greatest danger. It's 
when you don't feel like there's a battle going on in your life. You don't, you don't, you're not struggling with this temptation to compromise. I mean, maybe you're tempted to compromise, but you're just not struggling with it. You're just compromising. Or maybe, you know, you don't, you just think, well, everything in my life is just going fine. Just the way it is. And so what happens? Your prayer life wanes. I don't mean you stop praying. I just mean the way you pray. You, you don't, when, when you're at peace and everything's fine, then you don't pray with desperation and urgency. You, you pray. You, you have a lot of spiritual activity. You read your Bible, but it's, it, it becomes superficial. See, if you're, you're read, you can read your Bible a lots of different ways. You can read your Bible like you read a book, like you read the newspaper or a magazine. Well, the young people are like, what is a newspaper again? But anyway, or you can read it like your life depends on it. But you won't do that. I won't do that if I don't think I need to. See, Where there's no deep need, there's not going to be any deep change. Where so many times we're spiritually busy people in in the United States. I, I literally feel a little sick in my stomach every time I try to describe this because it's so nauseating to me. When I'm around people that are very spiritually busy, but they just have this happy-go-lucky, everything's-fine Christianity, I don't have that. That's not real. It's not real. You know when you're around somebody and they don't live like they're in a battle and it's just nothing in my spirit bears witness with that. See, when you're not at war, you don't need armor. You have it there in case you need it. But if you ever ask questions like, Does the enemy ever stop shooting arrows at us? Does he ever stop? Does he take days off? Are there periodic ceasefires in the spiritual battle? And by the way, what are the arrows anyway? What are these flaming darts that Paul talks about? Are these demons running around trying to possess us? Is God... is God trying to protect us from one thing and the enemy's trying to, to lure us with another thing? So, you know, you, you open up your trunk and mysteriously there's a Ouija board in the back and you're like, well, how'd that get there? I mean, what is it? Is it, is it witchcraft trying to put a curse on you? 
In Genesis 3, we just keep going back because it's so foundational and important. How is Satan attacking Adam and Eve again? He's not possessing them, is he? He's lying to them. That's what he's doing. One of my favorite quotes in the world is this. Satan doesn't leave fang marks on your flesh. He leaves lies in your heart. That's a quote by a 17th century English pastor named William Grinald. Everything I know about the armor of God, I either learned from God or I learned from him. I think I said last week that I spent an entire semester in seminary and all I studied were these eight verses for a whole semester. William Grinnell wrote the best book on the armor of God. Some of you are like, let's write that down so we can read it. Hold on. Three volumes, 1,200 pages on eight verses. That's a lot. But it's that important. You just got to understand who Satan is and what he's doing. At his core, he's a liar. And here's the thing. Why? Because his best, most effective weapons are lies. The most powerful thing he has to use against you is the simplest. That's what makes it so effective, so sneaky. Notice in verse 16, at the end of verse 16, which you can ex- with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So these flaming darts, you should think of them as lies. That's what they are. And they come into your life the same way you would imagine, through your ears and through your eyes. So if you're a Christian, one of two things is always true. Always. Either there are flaming darts coming at you, or there are flaming darts burning in you. But it's one or the other, and it's never There's never a millisecond where it's not one of those two things. See, the only time Satan is not trying to get you is when he's got you. So if you think you're living at a time of peace or there's some kind of ceasefire... And you start spiritually coasting, which every one of us knows what this is like. You start spiritually coasting. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, something happens. A flaming dart comes. And then what? Your world gets turned upside down. Or maybe it's major, maybe it's minor, whatever it is. Something topples over, causes a bunch of grief. And, and then what happens? And then suddenly, you're in church every week. You're reading your Bible with intensity. You're praying with, with 
fervency because there's trouble. But it's too late. Now understand when I say it's too late. It's too late to prevent the darts already stuff you. Now those things that you respond with are the right way to respond. And what do they do? They heal the wound. But had you been wearing the armor, the wound wouldn't have occurred. You understand? What the normal experience today is Christian walking around with a duffel bag full of armor, dart sticks in you, you feel the wound, respond to the wound by digging out the stuff to help heal it, and then after a little while, things go back to normal. You take it back out and put it in the duffel bag, and then you get stuck again. And you would, and all the, all the New Testament scriptures about, about victory just seem vague and, and far. Because you, you can't resonate with them. you got to understand something. The fortification of our souls, it takes time. It's not an overnight. You don't just sling it on when you need it. That's not how that works. You wear it every day because you're in a battle. Period. You're in a battle. Well, Pastor Tony, that just sounds like a miserable existence. You know, what about all of God's promises about peace? What about all of his promises about victory? You mean to tell me that every day of my life I've got to live like I'm in a battle? Well, yes. But the armor is designed to allow a soldier... To live in utter peace and confidence on the front lines of the battle. That's the point. The, the armor is not just for big things. It is for big things, but it's for the daily skirmishes. It's for all, it's for all the things that are coming. You know, well, well, how do I, how do I understand where I am in this process? Well, I mean, I can give you a couple simple examples, but this is two of two hundred. But it's two. It'll help you. How are you doing with? Impatience. In other words, are you, 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 are you an impatient person? You get frustrated with people a lot? Now what happens? Someone does something that frustrates you. Now what? someone does something and you get frustrated, but what? something happened between what they did and you getting frustrated, and what was it? You said in your head, 
Wow, you are an idiot. Why did you do that? That was the dumbest thing in the world. You should have never done that. You said lie, 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 and then you got frustrated. All that happened in a split second. That's how you got frustrated. Now, if you were wearing the armor of God, which I'll explain in a minute, if you were wearing the armor of God, someone does something that appears to be a little nonsensical, and you think to yourself, well, what does God see when he looks at me? How patient has God been with me? And as soon as you think that, which is true and not a lie, what happens to the frustration? What about, what about worry? Think of all the worry in this room. Some of you, you just, you just, you worry all the time. What if this happens? See, so you think, what, well, what if this happens? What will I do? How will I make it? You know, what about this? What about that? What? Uh, uh, uh. So what is the lie that's causing you to worry? See, because all of us, all of us are in the same boat. None of us know the future. None of us. But some of us are ate up with worry, and a few of us don't have that problem. What's the difference? Well, it's the lie that you're telling yourself. You see, for you to be worried, you have to believe. First of all, you have to understand where did that come from? That came from pride. You can't worry and not, be, not have a pride problem. What are you talking about? Well, it's very simple. In order for you to worry, you have to believe that you know what ought to happen, which is... Yeah. It's pride. You think that you know what needs to happen, and so you're worried that that's not going to happen. So you have placed yourself in a God position. That is a lie. And the way Satan got you to worry is he shot a flaming dart lie in your head, got you to start repeating it, and now you're a worried person. Instead, the truth is, hold on a minute. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but what do I know? I know God's good, and I know He's sovereign. So what am I worried about? Well, I guess nothing if I know He's good and He's sovereign. See? And we could just go through every little struggle that's in this room, one after the other, and every one of them, where are they coming from? It's lie after lie after lie. But see, if you're, if you're not fighting those lies, then you're succumbing to them. So let's look at this armor for a second. Let's, let's read through this for a minute. Next week, we'll get into all the things you're, you'll be ready for next week. But let's just, let's just lay what we need to lay down today. Look at verse 14 and following. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth 
already talked about that. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, who is Paul talking to? The church at Ephesus. He's speaking to Christians. Okay? Well, he's saying, hey, put on the breastplate of righteousness. But he's already said in Ephesians that we already have God's righteousness. He's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. But he's already spent five chapters telling us what salvation is and that we already have it and we can find assurance in it, right? See, we already have. Why do I need these shoes? You already said I already have the peace that comes with the gospel. So what's going on here? He's saying live as a person under orders, not agreeing but obeying. Last week, taking what was issued to you when you were enlisted and wear it as armor. Very important. Live under orders. Live with a war mentality. Which is not agreeing, which I'll get to some more of that in a second. But submitting or obeying. So at salvation, you were issued armor. It was the day you were enlisted. You should wear it. Like you're in a war because you are in a war. See, Paul's not saying, hey, you need to get this new stuff. Hey, hey, Christian, there's some new gear that God just put out. Hurry up and order it. He's saying, you have this, but you better not be toting it around in a duffel bag like you're not in a war because that's why you're getting pelted all the time. Remember back in Ephesians 3, like if you want to flip back, flip back to Ephesians 3. I'm going to read a couple verses. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 17. Remember this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Remember Paul praying for Christians that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, we may be able to have strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's talking to Christians. He's praying that they would have something but he's already said that we have it. So there must, it must mean that not everyone that has something utilizes it. Or the Bible wouldn't make any sense. See, he's praying 
that what's true about you would become truth to you. That's what he's praying for us. He's saying, I pray that what is true about you would become truth to you. There's a huge difference between knowing about something and experiencing it. Huge difference. Take what you know is true about the gospel. Put it on yourself like armor in order to fight the battles that we all fight, that you will 100% fight. So the book of Ephesians, as Colby said earlier, has taught us so many things that were chosen before the foundation of the world, adopted into the family of God, redeemed, forgiven, invited into the mystery of God's purpose in the world, given an inheritance in God's future, sealed in the Holy Spirit. But do you know why you struggle so much? Listen, I love you. Please, listen. You know why you struggle so much? Because you're investing all your energy in not failing. You're putting all your effort towards not being criticized. You're, you expend all this energy trying to not fail. And it seems so logical to you. It is completely wrong. That's wrong. You're trying so hard. Some of you you keep messing up and you keep failing and you keep faltering and you keep struggling and you just and you know and you keep trying harder you keep trying to stop messing up and you can't figure out why it won't work you have to know this when you fail, because you will. When you're criticized, because you will be. Do so as a person who is infinitely loved and infinitely safe. See, the problem is not that you don't want it enough. The problem is not that you're not trying hard. None of that is the problem. The problem is that you're doing it without acknowledging who you are that's doing it. Why are you trying to not fail when everyone's going to fail? Why don't you focus on whatever you do, whether it's win or lose or fail or, or succeed? Whatever it is, do it as a person who knows who they are in Christ. That's the armor. Do it as a person who's wearing the truth. So the lies can't come into your head because you know who you are and you know what the Bible says about you. And so your initial 
immediate, instinctive reaction when you fail or when you're criticized or when you're persecuted or when you're whatever happens. You're not shocked. Why in the world would you be shocked at tribulation? Why? How many of you are totally shocked when you get blown up? I don't understand that. Why would you do that? Who told you you weren't going to be persecuted? Who said to you tribulation wasn't going to come? You said that because a flaming dart convinced you of that. The Bible never said that. And it's illogical to think that. You're in a war. That means there's danger all around. Stop being afraid of the danger and put on the armor that will protect you from whatever the danger is. It's why the church is so weak and ineffective. That's why. It's not because people don't believe. People sit in church every week who believe. It's not because they don't have faith. But it's because they live in agreement with God. That's what they do. If you live in agreement with God, that's not obedience. And that will not protect you. Don't invest your time in avoiding the storms. It won't work. See, Paul's saying, you're in a war, put on your armor. But people say, I know there's a war. I'm trying to stay out of it. And I've Keep my armor close in case I get in it. War avoidance only makes sense if you're lost. So basically what you have is lost people in church trying to act like they're saved and then some saved people in church that act like they're lost. No wonder everybody's so confused. War avoidance is absurd if you're a Christian. Look at verse 13. Why do you think Paul says, therefore take up the whole armor of God? Now notice, that you may be able to withstand, if possibly, a dart comes flying in your direction. No, in the evil day. In other words, it's just a foregone conclusion. You're in a war. Evil day, you need to be able to withstand. You know what the evil day is? It's every day. It's all the time. It's next week. See, some of you that are ate up with worry, I just jacked you all up now. You're like... I mean, some of you are so whacked and warped out in your lie believing that you think that when I or you or anyone around you talks about something they're going to make it happen what you you know how absurd that is it's ridiculous listen the evil day is is when you're tired 
and you're in conflict with your spouse. Or maybe it's when you're in the ICU with someone you love. And it's everything in between. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed about something. And then the circumstances seem to just get worse and worse and worse. And that little voice in your head says, see, God doesn't hear your prayers. See, he would respond to some people, but he's not going to respond to you because you're, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. Or you're trying to live your life in, in moral purity and it's, it's just a, a constant battle. Maybe you're single and you want to be married and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and you're, and you're looking around and you see all these other people getting married and it seems like it's working for everyone else and, it, and, and that voice in your head saying the clock's tick, 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 tick. And if you don't hurry and if you don't take matters into your own hands or if you don't do what they're doing, oh, and it seems to be working for them or I'll just do it my way and then later on I'll switch around and, and be real faithful. And you just hear this, oh, you're just a fool. You're missing out on life. You're missing out... That's evil days all the time, all the time, evil days. Something happens with one of your kids and, all, and you're worried like, well, what does this mean? What is this going to become? What's going to happen? What about what, all this stuff? And the, all these lies are going in your head. Evil days are every day. You know why that is? If you're saved, it's every day because the same grace that reconciles us to God antagonizes us to the enemy. You can't be reconciled to God and not be in a war with the enemy because his war is against every single one that's reconciled to God. The moment that we became a friend of God, we became the mortal enemy of Satan. So guess when your, your evil days are coming? They're all the time. That's why you have to put the armor on every day. That's why only a very foolish person would say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put it on when I need it. No, you need it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day. Every day, you better put on what's true. Because here, here's, here's how we get so twisted up. We think that faith is automatic. We think that when, when trouble hits, faith will just kick in. That's not how faith works. Faith doesn't kick in. Faith is a deliberate action. In other words, I can have faith that a chair will hold me up. You know what that is? Real faith that that chair, I really do believe that that chair will hold me up. That's agreement faith. 
But when I sit in the chair, now it's obedience faith. Faith is activated by an intentional action. Action. And so in order to put on the armor of God, it's not I agree with God, I believe in God. That's not going to get it. It's that I'm, I'm submitting myself to God, which means I'm not submitting myself to myself or to other people or to worldly philosophies or to things that I believe in my head or to any other thing. I'm believing what God says regardless of whether it makes sense to me or I understand it or how impossible my situation believes. That is under orders. Remember, no one in the, on the battlefield says, you know what, I don't want to do that. I quit. You can't do that. But we live in a world filled with agreement faith where, hmm, I don't know. I don't like that. It seems too hard. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to. I know I should do that, but I'm not going to do that. Well, there you go. The minute you do that, wherever it is in your life where you're in agreement with God, there's no armor. Because you're not in a war. You have armor, but it's in the duffel bag. You understand? Wearing truth is obeying it, is submitting to it, is the deliberate action of faith. Remember when the disciples in Luke chapter 8, they get in the boat with Jesus, they find themselves in the storm. Jesus is sleeping. Now, do they have faith? Yes. They have agreement faith. And Jesus is teaching them obedience faith. So they get in the boat, they go out. Now, does Jesus know there's going to be a storm? Well, of course, he makes the storm. So he's in the boat sleeping. They're in the boat. They find themselves in the storm. The storm's bad. He's sleeping. And what happens? Immediately, their faith doesn't kick in automatically. What kicks in? He doesn't care. We're going to die. Look how bad this is. This is a disaster. What is he doing sleeping? Lie, 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 lie. See, that's what kicks in automatically. So Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, and then what? Jesus says, how come you don't have any faith? He didn't say that. How come you let your surroundings overwhelm you? He didn't say that. He didn't say, why don't you suppress all your fears and, and pretend like this isn't as bad as it? He didn't say any of that. They had faith. Here's what he said in Luke 8, 25. Where is your faith? Where is it? It's in the duffel bag. That's where it is. Because you, if you would have said to yourself, instead of we're going to die, this is bad, there's no way out. What if they would have said what they knew was true? Because just a chapter earlier, Jesus, they're walking along the road in name with Jesus. He walks up on a funeral, puts his hand in the casket and raises the boy to life. They saw that. They knew that. Then a few verses later, he forgives the sin. 
of a woman of the night who's dumping perfume on his feet and wiping it with her hair. They saw that. But in the boat, it was in the duffel bag. Where is your faith? Where is it this morning? See, no matter how how bad it may seem, no matter what storm we may find ourselves in, no matter how hopeless no matter how much I don't understand about the storm or even God's solution, it's okay. If I submit myself in faith to what I do know, I put on the armor. In that moment, I know that this is real, it's scary, it's painful, it's difficult, it's confusing. It's all of these things. But what I know more than anything else is that I am infinitely loved and infinitely safe. Game changer. If it were just true. I don't mean true. I mean true for each and every one of you. For every one of you. If every one of you could say. With absolute confidence and conviction. And authority. I am who God says I am. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not the way people treat me. I'm not what people say. I'm not what I was raised to believe. I'm not what the world says. I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be weak. In fact, every day in some way, shape, or form, every day is going to be an evil day, isn't it? Because doesn't the Bible say that the days, all of them, are evil? Isn't that what it says? Every day. But I know who I am. I know who God says I am. That's what I've put on. Because I know I'm in a war. So for some of you, it's stop fighting in your flesh. Fight with armor, truth. 
for some of you, it's you're not even in this war. You're in the old war. You're warring with no armor. And you're just getting pulverized. And you need to, you need to be saved. You need to ask God to save you. Stop pretending. Stop agreeing. And submit and obey. But what would happen if everybody in this room did whatever they needed to do this morning and then began to walk in this armor? 